All right, Romans chapter number 12. Let's stand as we read from our text. Romans, the 12th chapter. The next injunction that we have in the series of those that have been brought before us is found in verse number 15, Romans twelve fifteen. Bless them, sorry, I'm on the wrong one. Let me get to 15. Rejoice. I was last, that was last week, wasn't it? Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Rejoice that, with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Let's, let's pray. Brother Donnie, would you pray for us? Yes. Had your hand on them. If you, you have your hand on all of us, that we would just have confidence in your truth, your sovereign in our circumstances. Amen. A single thing that passes by on this mm. earth and this, in this solar system and all of creation that you want to yes. Amen. You may be seated. Yes, what a what a glory to know that not uh, you know we still have some um, you know leaves on the ground, especially out at the farm. And I was walking down the sidewalk there yesterday, and and um, it was had been pretty still. And I was thinking about starting a fire, so I was kind of judging the wind a little bit, and a little burst came through, and a leaf rustled across the the sidewalk and uh you know not a not a grain of sand not a leaf falls not a hair falls from our heads not a sparrow falls to the ground that's what Donnie was praying about um without the lord knowing and and in that in that knowing we understand that it's not just that he perceives it it he it's something that he noticed but it's something that he's controlling and it doesn't it doesn't happen unless god says that it can unless he permits um so what a what a blessing to live there in our hearts and lives to walk there in our hearts and lives um hopefully you know the lord helping us that that comes to our minds and and comes against fear and comes against doubt and comes against news you know when it comes um you think about job and here's here's the runner that comes and says you know that the house all four corners were 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 hit by a great wind and all your children are, are dead and then just like 
one upon the other upon their heels, seems like another messenger comes and gives more news and more news and more news. But for that kind of news to come to us and against that news to be able to answer the way Job does, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. The Lord did this. The Lord allowed this. It wasn't, it wasn't something that just happened by chance. Um, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, last time we spoke upon prayer for our persecutors, in a sense, uh, prayer like that of Stephen while being stoned to death, pleading that the Lord would lay not their, the sin to their charge. <clears throat> and you think about the reality of Saul of Tarsus being there when Stephen was stoned, um, and Stephen's prayer, and now both of those men are in heaven rejoicing you know, in Christ together. The one who was once his enemy um, became you know, a, 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 an apostle, Uh, even. um, And here's this prayer that Stephen was praying, lay not this sin to their charge. So, you know, how many are there whom may, we may do that for in our own, you know, circumstances. Um, Men for whom, like Stephen, his, his soul had a great concern for people like Saul of Tarsus and the others who were stoning him. He was there preaching the gospel, you know, to them. Um, and he's asking that God lay not that sin uh, to their charge. I read a quote this week um, that I thought in conjunction with that to be appropriate. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, No greater tragedy than for a man to go out of this world without knowing that a Savior came into it. And that was Stephen's desire, was that they would know the Savior that came into it. Uh, That is our desire, that we preach the gospel, that we share the gospel with others, that they know there's a Savior that's come into this world that you don't have to die in your sins. So we can continue to think in terms of prayer here this morning uh, when we think about those who rejoice and those who weep. Um, On the rejoicing side, we don't want to become so full that we forget God. You know, on the weeping side, we don't want to become so destitute that we forget God, you know, in that sense either. So, I mean, there's certainly prayer needed, you know, for others in both of these sets of circumstances. Um, but which is the, which of the two is more difficult? Is it, is it more difficult to rejoice with those who rejoice? Or is it more difficult to weep with those who weep? What do you think? What would your, what would your initial response be? Hmm? The weeping would be harder, okay? You think the weeping's harder? Okay, everybody thinks the weeping's harder? I'm going to contend for the other side. I'm going to contend for the rejoicing being harder. You know why? Because we have a tendency to get jealous of people. Because if we put it in terms of rejoicing for someone that something has happened to, I'm, you're going to try to say something, brother. I still, I still can recognize that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's harder to weep because you've lost someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not because you've lost something, because you've lost someone. Someone, right. Yeah, the, weeping should rejoice. Right, right, right. Because we're called to rejoice always, right? And again, I say rejoice. Sure, and it's, it's difficult to rejoice uh, in those times whenever something is as... Um, as big as losing someone in your life that is that is difficult uh sure so um i don't know paul puts rejoicing first 
you know, as he orders these things, he's kind of got rejoicing ahead of, you know, weeping. Um, I mean, on the surface, I, I would probably have initially responded maybe as uh, on the weeping side. But, you know, we, we have, we, our hearts, I mean, you could not know somebody and you see them crying on the street and your heart kind of goes out to them, doesn't it? Um, I mean, you're just, your heart's just, if you have a tender heart, you're just like, oh, man, that person's, you know, distraught about something. Um, now, if they were, you'd have trouble feeling sorry for them if they were weeping because they didn't you know, win the lottery. Yeah, that might be a little difficult to weep with someone who's weeping over that. Um, you know, but if they'd lost someone, that's, you know, even, even a, you, you think about, um, I mean, I, I remember as a kid when I lost my first pet. That affected me a lot. Um, I think somebody actually stole it, but, but uh, when I, it affected me when they stole my bike too, Donnie. <laughs> but... Um, you know, it, it, that, that affected me. So if I, had, if I saw a child weeping because they've lost their dog or because they, how about they lost their parent? You know, isn't it easy for your heart to go out to that person? I mean, we've, we've been in places before, I know you probably have too, where you see this little kid just like they're just crying and they're like, mama, 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 and they can't find their mama. And so you like take them by the hand and you're going trying to find, you know, mama uh, or find somebody who can find, you know, mama. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something, I think, in the sense that we, that we, we find it, uh, our hearts being drawn out to people as they weep, you know, over things. Whereas, I don't know, how often do you find your heart being drawn out to rejoice for somebody that's rejoicing over something? You know, if you, if you and, and like I was going to say, especially when it's something maybe that you've been praying for. You know, what if it's something that you've been desiring and you see it happen in somebody else's circumstances, but it hasn't happened yet in your circumstances, you know, rejoicing for that person, you know, whenever, you know, you're not seeing the same, you know, thing happen in your life. Of course, I think the, the place we ought to go there is like, Lord, you did that for that person. I'm encouraged you can do it in my situation. But what I'm saying is that we have a tendency to be jealous of people. Um, you know, one is kind of a silly illustration in a way, but it does, it does kind of present the issue. The one person was talking about, you know, here you are in a stadium, and they're going to give away a brand new car. You know, somebody's seat number on their ticket's going to get a brand new car. And they call out, you know, the section or the color of the section, and you're in that section. And so you're kind of getting excited a little bit. You know, and they, they call out the row, and it's your row, you know. And then they call out the seat number, and it's not your seat number. It's the person maybe sitting right next to you, you know. So how do you feel at that point? Is it easy to rejoice that person? I mean, now, if it was Teresa sitting next to me, that kind of becomes my car too. But, but if it's somebody that I don't know, you know, then that's not the case. It's their car. It's not mine. They're probably not even going to let me borrow it, you know. But can you rejoice, you know? I, I, like I said, it's a silly illustration in a way, but it does, you know, kind of prove, you know, the point uh, that we can be jealous. It'd be easy, easier maybe for me to be jealous of that person than it would be for me to rejoice, you know, for that person. Um, because of what's happened, you know, to them. But I need to step back again and go back to what we were initially talking about and what Donnie was saying in his prayer is that God's in control here. And so did I need that car? You know, maybe maybe I've got, you know, a car out here, which is true about this one. You know, it's got over 250,000 miles, you know, on it. You know, brand new Ford pickup sounds pretty good, huh, Steve? You like brand new Ford pickup? That wouldn't be bad. What's that worth nowadays? About eighty thousand dollars, you know. 
Start at 35. <laughs> Steve sees all these commercials going across. <laughs> Close to 100? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's easy to say, I need that. Boy, why didn't I get that? Um, maybe, my, maybe my vehicle is not just an older vehicle that has 250,000 miles on it. Maybe it's not even working. Maybe it's the mechanic shop. And maybe the mechanic said, hey, you know what? This truck's got 250,000 miles on it. It's going to cost $10,000 to put an engine, you know, and transmission and everything in here, get it all, you know, labor and materials and everything. It's going to cost a lot of money. You know, you're sure, which it's not hard now, is it, to say 10000 compared to 35000 You know, that's not, that's not too tough because trucks are so expensive, cars are so expensive, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, maybe that's the case. Maybe that's your vehicle and, and you have that repair bill and it would have been really neat if you had been the one that won that. But the Lord knows our circumstances. He knows what we need. Uh, could, could that have been ours? I, I know I've got a pastor friend who won a car. Um, you know, one time, it's been a long time ago, but I think it was through some sort of, you remember Brother uh, Reggie Gregory, what they, how'd they win that? They won it by buying toilet paper. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, they won a vehicle. Well, the, the Lord did that. The Lord, they, he needed that. Now, when I say he needed that, did he, did he need it from the perspective of that he needed a new car because he had that car that had that repair bill? Or did he have a vehicle that was working fine? And the Lord still said, I'm going to grant this. You know, you've, you've got a vehicle over here, and, but, you know, just, everything's okay with this vehicle, and you don't really need a brand new one, but I'm still, you know. There was a purpose in his life that God was was performing and doing that, whatever the case may have been. I don't know the circumstances behind what was going on with their other vehicles at the time. I, I don't really know. But the flesh is prone to be jealous of people when those things happen to them when you could use the same thing. Um, but we have to go back and fall back to the place Brother Wiseman brought up of rejoicing always. Uh, so if that means that they get something that I need and I don't get, that I still can rejoice for them. You know, because I'm called to rejoice always. Um, so I can still rejoice with them just like, that's not necessarily the illustration that Brother Wiseman brought up. He was talking about rejoicing even in something that happens that's, that's you know, we, we consider very serious and a great loss. You know, he was talking about even in death. But, but um, you know, here we're being instructed to rejoice and to weep with those who are doing the same. Um, you know, and, and when you think about it from the, the, from the perspective of where we kind of started in Romans 12 about talking about the body, then doesn't that, doesn't that fit? Doesn't that kind of fall into place? Rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. Because if, if, if one member suffers, you know, if I, mean, I, I had, I had a, a splinter out of a cactus, you know, in my, in, 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 in my hand yesterday, little bitty thing, but boy, it can cause discomfort and that discomfort right there you know in that fleshy part beneath you know your thumb and the palm of your hand um i mean the rest of my body was like what is going on here we got to take care of this you know and so these fingers that don't have any fingernails you know was trying trying to pull the thing out couldn't get it out you know and, and the eyes are looking and trying to get where's the thing at how are we going to get that out of there you know i didn't have a pair of tweezers or anything so you know not having fingernails what do you think i did going 
Yeah, Steve's already there. And just bit that thing right out of there. <laughs> but all the members of the body were suffering because of the one little bitty splinter. You know, or that's not a splinter, is it? What are those things? Yeah, is that what it is on a cactus? I don't know what those things are. A little thing that came out of it. And I didn't even touch the cactus. Apparently, I must have backed up into it, didn't realize it. And when I brushed the side of my pants, that's when it got in there, you know. I didn't even, t- I wouldn't touch the cactus, you know. Um, but my whole body was suffering because of one little bitty thing. And so physically, we understand that. Well, we're talking about the church. We're talking about the body of Christ. And if there's one that's rejoicing, we ought to be able to rejoice with it. If there's one that's weeping, we ought to be able to weep with it. Um, so that's what we really have, you know, before us here <clears throat> in this injunction that we're given to rejoice and to weep uh, with those who are rejoicing or they're weeping. Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 11, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. You know, on the rejoicing side, I think that's important. If we're going to rejoice with someone who has something that we don't have, we need to be content where we are, where the Lord has us, what he's given unto us. We don't need to be coveting that thing that the other person has. We need to be rejoicing that they have it. Um, that's, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got three brothers, right? So there are four of us. Two of us are married and two of us aren't. I don't quite understand that. Um, uh, but the two that aren't, if they ever are, you know, that's something that they'll need at that time. But right now, apparently it's not something that they need. For me, the Lord knew I needed it. You know, I went straight from that woman's house cooking and cleaning for me and washing my clothes straight to this woman here cooking and cleaning for me and, and washing my clothes. Um, you know, so th- there, was, there, was, there was something in my life, I believe, you know, that, that, that would enhance I mean, two walking together with the Lord that would enhance in my experience, it was something that was needful, you know, for me. Um, I don't know about them. My youngest brother, he is married. You know, so there's the oldest and the youngest are married and the two in between aren't, you know. Uh, I, I pray about that for them, you know, because I, you know, in my estimation, and I don't know how much they pray about it, but in my estimation, it would be a blessing, you know, for them even though you would listen to him, especially one of them, he says, I don't ever want to get married. No one's going to tell me what to do, you know, kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, if he, if he were married, he'd know the joy, you know, of being married. But does he, does he have to be married to rejoice? No. Um, he can rejoice without being married. I mean, think about Brother Dean never was married, you know. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, never was married, yet Peter was. Um, you know, so we, we understand there's these differences and, and, and I know I've got my oldest daughter, she wants to be married and I have to, I have to try to help her and say, you know, Rebecca, be content where the Lord has you. I said, certainly don't make a decision to marry somebody that is going to be worse set of circumstances than what you're in being single. Uh, you don't want to marry the wrong person. Um, which I don't think that she would do, but I try to encourage her to be content. Be content with where you are. The, the Lord has you, and certainly I can, and, and Teresa can say the same thing. I mean, we look at her, her life up to this point and her going through school and all the intense um, you know, learning that she had to go through. It would have been much more difficult than it was for Teresa. Um, you know, we were married. She was in college. I resented every textbook that she had. 
I resented all the time that she spent with those textbooks. Uh, and she's smiling at me because she remembers that. Um, you know, I wanted her attention, you know, and she had to give it to something, you know, else. I didn't resent you kids. She had to give attention to you, but, but uh, that was a mutual thing, you know. That this, that I didn't have anything to do with these textbooks and accounting. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I hated math and no thanks. Didn't want that. Um, but, you know, we understand there are, there are varying circumstances in people's lives. And with Rebecca, I know that, you know, she was going through a lot of school. It probably, I mean, but, you know, maybe it would have been better for her to be married. I don't know. The Lord knows. The Lord's hands upon her if we go back to what we looked at this morning. And so here he knows the desire of her heart that she would like to be married. And the Lord may, may give that to her one day. You know, but if he doesn't, she needs to be content. If I had never married, I'd need to be content. If Teresa had died when she got so sick, I would need to be content. You know, uh, the Lord is at work here. The Lord's hand is upon my life. The Lord is doing something. You know, so we rejoice in him that, that he's with us, that he hasn't left us, that he's working all things, you know, together for our good. Um, but so Paul says here, I've learned in Philippians 4.11, in the whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. You know, and it, there, you've got to learn that, right? I mean, we've, we all may think that we've learned the have not more than we have learned the have. You know, you've got the haves and you've got the have nots, right? So we think we've learned not having, but, but when we really think about it, we realize that we are even <clears throat> middle class um, or even you know, lower than that. We're better off than most of the people on the face of the earth. Um, so we really haven't seen a lot of the have not. We may think we have because of, there are some, some super abounding haves you know, in the world that live even in our country. And you look at the abundance that there is there. And what about that? That may ruin you. That may would ruin you if you had all of that. You may forget God if you had all that. Um, the Lord knows what we need. Paul says, I've learned to abound and to be abased. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And he says in verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And if we're talking to the one who's weeping, that may be a place that we take them, you know, um, you know, the Lord strengthen you. Because uh, we know in Scripture, the Scripture says that we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. We know, I know this is a hard time. I know this is a difficult place that the Lord has you in. Uh, I know that you've suffered a great loss. And, and my heart breaks, you know, for you. And I weep, you know, with you. Um, but we have cause to, to, to learn to be content, don't we? Um, we certainly do not have cause to be jealous of what God's given to somebody else. Um, because we know the Lord knows our hearts, just like Rebecca wanting to be married. The Lord knows our hearts. He knows what we need. And so we look to him, we wait upon him. One of my favorite passages that I have just drilled into my kids' heads in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 about trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So that is something that I have just drilled into them all of their lives. Um, you know, I'll often go about the house and I'll quote you know, so part of a scripture and expect them to finish it. Um, you know, we, what are you smiling about? <laughs> so, you know, a lot of words of some of, some of the verses. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, you play that game with me too. <clears throat> so, but we, we, we have cause to, to be content. God has done us no wrong. If we think he has, we're in a bad place. God has done us no wrong. He's causing all the work together for my good. So you, you think about the rejoicing side of things. You think about places like Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. If I'm going to rejoice with those who rejoice, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly not going to be a blessing to that person if I walk up to him and say, I, I, I just can't stand it that, that you got this and I don't have it. That's not rejoicing with those who rejoice. That's not going to add any joy, you know, to their circumstances at all. Um, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I mean, if you had the choice to have this big bucket of money over here, you know, or have this promise that God's given that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, which one would you choose? You know, are you going to trust in the bucket of money? You know, how long is that going to last? You know, it, it could be gone in a moment. I mean, think about people, um, how many years ago was it that we had that last stock market thing and, and the people that were, that were right at the point to retire and the stock market crashed and they lost, you know, their retirement. Well, that bucket of money could be drained. But if I'm over here with this promise that God's given that he'll never leave me or forsake me, that's much better than that bucket of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you haven't. It's, it's a full bucket's only a third now, yeah. <laughs> um, so God knows our need. He will do what is best when it is best for us. You know, we need to realize that and remember that. God knows what we need. He will do what is best for us when it is best for us. So, you know, we commit our cause to the Lord. You know, we think about this whole rejoicing aspect. If you're on the side of looking at somebody that's received and you're having trouble rejoicing in what they've received because you don't have what they have, um, we need to consider that contentment, you know, aspect. Um, I think about the man in that regard. I think about the man in Proverbs 30. Uh, verses 7 through 9 where he says he, he he makes this plea unto God he says two things I, I, I've required you know two things I desire um, and deny not me these things Lord grant these things to me he's saying remove far from me vanity and lies he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. I mean, we have illustrations of, of the person who denies the Lord in Scripture, don't we? We have the rich man who tears down his barns and builds bigger ones. And he says, you know, soul, take thy ease. You have many goods laid up for many years to come. And the Lord says, thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. So... You know, we, we understand the person who's been given this great abundance. I mean, we, we were asking this question about which is harder to rejoice with those who rejoice or to weep with those who weep. And so we might ask the same sort of a question and say, which is harder to have a superabundance or to have just what you need you know, that, that keeps you depending upon the Lord? You know, which is better? Uh, well, this man's judgment, and I think he possessed some wisdom, you know, he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food convenient for me. Supply my needs as I, uh, as I have them, where I have this promise over here that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. 
Um, not that I have you know, great abundance of riches where I think that I have no cares. I think that I have no problems. I think that money's going to solve everything. We know that it won't. So there's a vanity of thinking that he wants to be saved from. There's a lie that he wants to be you know, secure from. This lie of thinking that having an abundance would solve all the problems that we have. You know, or the lie that says, oh, if you, if you don't have that, you're going to suffer in this life. No, the Lord's, Lord's hand's upon me. The Lord's with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Um, so being saved from those sorts of, of thoughts and being content with what the Lord's given. So in regards to rejoicing and weeping with others, you know, we're, not, we're certainly not strangers to terms like rejoicing and weeping. We understand what those things you know, mean. They're emotions that we often find ourselves experiencing um, at different times. Um, you know, I guess in a sense, my brother and his wife and the birth of their child, there was both. You know, there was this rejoicing in the, in the beginning, the baby's here, and everything is going well, then all of a sudden the baby's in the hospital, and mom and dad are at home, and there's, you know, there's some sorrow, you know, there's some concern, you know, there, but um, we're told to be of the same mind in the next, very next verse. Look at that, and if you're still in Romans 12, look at the very next verse. So we think about weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. We see in verse number 16 that we are to be of the same mind one toward another. So this goes back to the whole body illustration that we're given that when one member suffers all the members suffer with it be of the same mind one towards another weep with those who weep rejoice with those who rejoice first corinthians twelve twenty six says and whether one member suffer which this is what i was telling you whether one member suffer all the members suffer with it or one member be honored so we have both of those things here, right? The weeping, the suffering, the honor, the rejoicing. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. You know, the flesh certainly would, would seek to withdraw itself from some of those things. People's lives are messy. You know, you get into the weeping part. Uh, people's lives can get real messy and, and, and you can say, like, <laughs> I don't really want to get involved in that. Um, but God's glory is the thing that's in view here. And we want to see God's glory in this situation. I want to be able to help in this situation any way that I can. Um, I want to be able to weep with those who weep in a way that's going to bring glory and honor to the Lord. And the encouragement that I offer, um, you know, and, and it... it Sometimes we don't even say anything. It's just being there, you know. So weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who uh, rejoice. I mean, you think about the prodigal son, you know, the certain man in Luke 15, who um, the younger of the two sons, you know, he's like, give me my inheritance now. And he goes out and he wastes, you know, it all and gets to the point that he's like, it'd be better for me to be a servant in my father's house than to suffer the way that I'm suffering. Um, and so he goes to his father and he says, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. Um, but what does his father do? Does his father say, you know, you're right. You know, you really, you really, um, you know, you are a great offense, you know, unto me. And, and you, you really wronged me. No, he calls his servants and he says unto them, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And he must have been shoeless, you know, at that point. Or his shoes were so ragged, you know, that, that they needed to be replaced. But he's, he says, 
bring the, the, the fatted calf, calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again and he is lost he was lost and is found and they began to be merry and the elder son who didn't do those things the younger son did you remember his response don't you he was jealous he was envious he was complaining you didn't you've never done that for me i've never i've never left you i've never demanded my inheritance i haven't gone and wasted it like this my younger brother did and look what you're doing for him so you see this rejoicing with those who rejoice and his father's rejoicing that his son that was lost has been has returned home you know is is uh, is alive again it was like he was back from the dead so to speak um and the father in his wisdom you know, and in his mercy, you know, goes out to the elder son who would not come in. He's going to stay outside. I'm not going in. They can do all that, but I'm not going to go in and take part of it. You know, that would be a picture of not rejoicing with those who rejoice is really what we have there. Um, this, this brother was angry, but there was cause for rejoicing. It, it kind of harkens back to Cain and Abel, doesn't it? I mean, here's Cain and Abel. They bring a sacrifice before the Lord. The Lord accepts Abel's sacrifice and doesn't accept Cain's. You know, what does Cain do? Does Cain say, oh, this is the sacrifice that God's pleased with. I'll go to my brother, you know, who, who tends the flocks, and, and, and I'll, I'll get the appropriate sacrifice and offer it unto the Lord. No, he gets angry and kills his brother. Um, he's certainly not rejoicing that God received Abel's sacrifice and didn't receive, you know, his um, how about a young woman? She's about to be married. We think about it, circumstances like this. That's all she can talk about. And I see at least three other sorts of people who are listening you know, to all this rejoicing that she has over the prospect of she's soon going to spend a life with you know, uh, the man of her dreams, so to speak. And so you have people that aren't married yet and want to be. You have people who are married and it's not a good situation uh, and they hearing this person just gush and bubble you know over you know all of this and then you may have one you know that's lost their spouse um, and so you see all these people in these different circumstances are, that are surrounding this person who's rejoicing in the prospect of marriage and they're called to rejoice also um, so again the contentment factor comes in doesn't it uh, the one who's without a, a, a mate be content until the Lord, you know, brings that about. Uh, the one who's, who's in a bad marriage, um, you know, I know there's not a contentment there in, in, in one sense, but there is a contentment in another sense that, you know, Lord, I know that you can change these, these circumstances here. Help me, you know, to be the, the wife that I need to be, you know, for my unconverted husband, perhaps, that they might see, um, you know, Christ in me, um, you know, and then the one who's lost, you know, a spouse. I mean, it's certainly hard. You think about that because it may be another young woman, you know, that lost their husband at and, and a, a very, you know, um, you know, young age. Uh, but we're called to rejoice. And then we could, ter- we could take that same set of circumstances and turn it around. The young woman gets married and 30 days after they're married, her husband dies. And we weep with those who weep. Um, and you, you, may, you may have been married for 30 years and, they, and she wasn't even married for 30 days. Uh, you know, before her husband, uh, you know, was taken, you know, from her uh, in a sense. So, um, you know, there's, there's the rejoicing aspect and there's the, the weeping, 
you know, aspect. Um, you think about the Lord coming upon the scene where Lazarus had died. It wasn't the Lord didn't know that Lazarus was going to die. He knew that. Uh, but he sees all of these people weeping. He sees the effects of sin. And, you know, in one of the shortest verses, so to speak, we say in the Scripture, Jesus wept. I mean, here he was weeping with those who were weeping. Um, and I'm sure he was rejoicing when he, and Lazarus comes you know, forth from the grave, and they're all rejoicing. Uh, they saw a great miracle, but um, there was rejoicing to be had. I am the resurrection, he says uh, unto Martha. Now think about this, because we were just, let's couple last week's message with this week's. So last week we had a persecutor. Last week we had an enemy, right? Well, think about, think about the enemy now and think about it from the perspective of what we're talking about right now, about rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. Listen to what Proverbs twenty four seventeen says. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. How easy would it be someone that has just been downright ugly and dirty towards you and something happens to them in their lives and you say, ha, they got what they deserved. Well, if we all got what we deserved, we'd be in a much different place, wouldn't we? Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Now, you heard that part. Now listen to the next verse. Because if that were the case, if we were doing that, verse 18 says, lest the Lord see it and it displease him and he turn away his wrath from him. Um, you know, so you, know, you had this person rejoicing that something bad's happening and the Lord says, you know, your, your heart's not right. It's kind of like, you know, we saw last week the disciples saying, shall we call fire to burn, come, fall down from heaven and consume these people? You know, because uh, that's the kind of spirit, you know, that we see there in Proverbs twenty four seventeen. So kind of find those things kind of, you know, meshing together in a sense, you know, right there. But, but um, if we can't rejoice in what God is doing in the lives of others, then we're in danger of becoming kind of like Korah. You remember Korah? And you remember the rebellion of Korah? And you remember how that, that he stirred up rebellion amongst the people? And he came, um, you know, his problem was he's like, I'm as good as Moses. We're as good as Aaron. Why should they have that position? You know, why don't we have that position? Why is it they've exalted themselves above us? Was that really what happened? Did they? Did they exalt themselves? Did Moses and Aaron exalt themselves above the people? No. God put them in that place. So in their rebellion, who were they rebelling against? Yeah, in a sense, they're rebelling against Moses and Aaron. But who are they ultimately rebelling against? They're rebelling against God. That's who they're rebelling against. Uh, And what did God do to those men? The earth swallowed them up. Yeah. Uh, You know, Moses is like, if the Lord does not do something that you've not seen before unto these men, then he hasn't called me, you know, uh, and Korah's right. But there was something that was done that they had not seen before, and the earth just opened up and swallowed this man. Moses told the people, get away from them, because not only did it swallow them up, but what did it also swallow up? Besides hmm? their families, but what else? There's possessions. He said it, it, was, it was like, if you borrowed a rake, give it back. It's going to be devoured. You know, it's going to be swallowed up. Get away from them. Um, and the Lord did. The Lord consumed uh, them for their rebellion. 
So, you know, we're, we're in danger, you know, if we can't rejoice, we're in danger of being sort of like that, sort of like, you know, the, the, the elder son with the, in, the, in the parable of the prodigal son. We're sort of in danger of being, you know, like those people. Um, so, Lord, help us to be able to rejoice. You know, like, like, and that's why I'm spending so much time on the rejoicing side of things, because in my estimation, I think that's the more difficult, you know, place for us to, 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 uh, to obey you know, that injunction, Uh, you know, Lord, help us not to be like those men, you know, help us to truly from our hearts, not just with lip service to go to people and say, I'm so happy for you because you can make yourself say that. You may not like it if you really aren't happy for them, but you can make yourself say, I'm so happy for you, but to really rejoice in our hearts uh, and be able to say to somebody that we're happy for them, um, that adds to their joy. It adds to the joy that they have. Um, and so, you know, it's like our bodies, if one member's, you know, honored, the whole body's honored because it's part of the same body, you know, so there's, there's, there's a rejoicing that we have, you know, from that perspective that we glorify God and what he's done, uh, because we are one, uh, body. There's a unity amongst us in that sense on the rejoicing side and on, you know, the weeping side. Um, so it, it really opens the matter of, of God's sovereignty, you know, before us that, where we are, what he's done, you know, in our lives, what he's pleased to do with us, what he's yet pleased, you know, to do with us, uh, how content, you know, we are. I think it opens up some of those things. You know, are we, are we the clay saying, why have you made me thus? You remember that in scripture where you got the potter and the clay and the clay saying, why have you made me thus? Um, whereas you think about what the hymn writer wrote when he said, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I'm yielded, uh, or what is it? Uh, while I'm waiting, yielded and still. <clears throat> I was trying to quote it without looking at it. But um, it goes on to say, Hold over my, or my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only always living in me. So being able to see Christ in us as we rejoice with others, being able to see Christ in us as we weep with others, uh, whether we eat, we drink, whatsoever we do, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, we do all to the glory, you know, of God. Uh, so it's, it's Psalm 57, 5. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, above the heavens, let thy glory be above all the earth. Um, be exalted in this, be exalted in this weeping, be exalted in this rejoicing, be exalted above you know, everything and in all things. Let God be exalted in it all. Um, you know, the, the world, I mean, you think about some of the things we've been talking about, the world can't do these things. Not really. Um, they don't, they've not been given a new nature. But you having been given a new nature, this is, this is a reality, you know, in, in, in your life. Um, you know, the flesh... I've got enough pain to deal with. I don't need somebody else's problems. But the Spirit, willing. Flesh is weak. The Spirit's willing. Lord, how can I help this person? How, how, can, I, how can I aid them in, in their circumstances? Um, you know, naturally, people want to distance themselves from pain, but we're not talking about the natural here. We're talking about the supernatural, the new creation, the Spirit abiding within us, being partakers of the divine nature the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts. So, 
showing sympathy in a person's joy or in their sorrow. What a blessing, you know, that can be uh, for us to do that. Uh, what a grace it can be in the lives of other people uh, for us to do that. I mean, I, I think about in my, my own circumstances, you know, when Teresa and I got married, I mean, it was, did, did not the people who came add to our joy? Well, certainly, you know, it did. Uh, when, when someone has, has passed and, and we go to the funeral, do, are we not there in, 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 in similar capacity? You know, are we not there to share in their sorrow? Uh, I know the world says that we're going to pay our last respects. That's, that's not necessarily our outlook. You know, we're there to weep with those who are weeping. We're there, we're there to share, you know, in their sorrow. We're there to share in their pain. We're there to be whatever kind of help we can be. Um, you know, if, if that's a word, there's, there's a, a passage in Proverbs 25, 11 that says this, a word fitly, that word fitly there kind of means timely, a word fitly or timely spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. You know, so you think about adding to someone's rejoicing or sharing with them in their sorrow. You know, that's, that's what we're called unto. That's, that's the injunction, you know, that we're given here. You know, a kind word of, of congratulation or a kind word of consolation, you know, those things we're called unto. Those things can aid other people, can be a blessing, you know, unto them. It, it can warm the heart. Um, I remember when my cousin, you know, Egan, and his, when his, 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 his father passed away. I can remember going, I couldn't even, there were so many people there that, that um, no, that was a different funeral, I'm sorry. But I can remember going there and, and him, I, I just went up to hug his neck. And the embrace was, was extended. And he wept. And he shook, his body physically shook, you know, in my arms. And he's a much bigger person than I am, especially he was then. You know, I might contend with him a little more now, but, but my waist size has gotten a little bigger. But, but uh, he was visibly, you know, shaken and moved, you know, by the circumstance. And, and do you think that it did not help console the situation as I stood there, as he wept, you know, on my shoulder? Absolutely it did. Did I say anything? No. He, he knew how I felt. He, he knew that I missed his dad, too. He knew that I had great sorrow for him that his dad had passed, um, you know. But we can aid in the consolation and comfort of others. We can aid in the joy of others. We can increase their joy. I mean, if we're going to do unto others as we would have them do unto us, would we not want somebody to increase our joy? You know, I, I think about uh, Donnie and Cohen. They 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 brought they brought horses out for for Lydia's birthday, and they got to ride horses. Did they add to your joy of your birthday? Did they add to it? Yes, yes, they added to it, you know. So can we do those things? Can we add to, you know, can, can we, can we add, think about adding to and taking away from. Can we add to on the rejoicing side, taking away from on the sorrow side. Um, it, it seems like a simple thing, and people don't do it as much anymore, but you remember how it used to be when somebody passed away. I mean, food just flowed into people's houses. Um, does that, does that help take away from their sorrow? You know, I'm not saying that you know, it's comfort food. Well, they had people in their house. 
that they're having to entertain. They have great sorrow in their hearts, and they probably don't feel like cooking at all. They may not feel like eating at all, but there's that food that's before them, and they may take a few bites, and it's there for the others you know, that are there. Do we, do we help you know, and aid in their comfort, take away a little bit of suffering, take away a little bit of sorrow? You know, can we not do those things even in private? You know, will we pray for them in those situations? Sure. You know, we absolutely can. So, um, you know, one, one commentator I was reading, he was talking about those things, the rejoicing, the weeping with those who rejoice and weep. He was talking about it being like, like oil in the wheels of a great engine. Of course, we're talking about somebody that's speaking back in the 1800s, you know. So. But you think about how it's lubricating, you know, that wheel so that it can move. Um, think about the old wagons and how they used to, I mean, they didn't have bearings like we do now, so they had to stick grease in there, didn't they, Brother Wiseman? You know, and that wheel wouldn't get so hot, that wood rubbing on, you know, wood if they didn't have metal in there in those days, I don't know. Is it a wood axle, metal axle? Probably wood, I guess, I don't know. But, um, you know, think about how that illustration tries to help illustrate a little bit what we're talking about, you know, here. Um, so let us be ready. Let us be ready to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice because we realize in spending some time and looking at it, we realize what that means, what it would mean for us, you know, if we were in those circumstances. Um, but aid in whatever way we can on the rejoicing side, aid in whatever way we can, you know, in, in, the, in the suffering side. I mean, we may never meet Ukrainian Christians that are suffering, but we're praying, you know, for them. Um, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, what we can. That's what the Lord wants us to do. Do what, do what you can. Um, you know, I always think about the woman. I know I mention this to you often, I know, but <clears throat> the alabaster box of spikenard, and she breaks it, and the that Judas, I think, kind of being the instigator there, that could have been sold. A lot of money could have been gotten for that. It's about a year's worth of wages. We could have fed the poor for a long time. And the Lord says, leave her alone. She's done what she could. You know, so that's us, you know, doing what we can to alleviate the sorrow, doing what we can to increase you know, the joy, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. So any, any thoughts or comments? Or I'm looking at Donnie because he usually has something. Right. Right. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Uh, Wrong we things. Right. True. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and putting that together with you know the the losing of someone, we sorrow not as those who have no hope. Um, you know, the, the world sorrows has no hope. Like Donnie's saying, and we rejoice in hope, we sorrow in hope. 
Um, we have a hope. It's steadfast and it's sure. Um, it, we have a hope in that which is secure and eternal and changes not. Um, God's word's solid. I mean, what a blessing to have, you know, the word of God. Um, in, in uncertain times, you know, when, when the whole world is saying that truth is whatever brand of truth you want it to be, that we have something that we know is actually the truth. Um, there aren't all sorts of truths. If you, if you read Pilgrim's Progress, you'll see him when they get into Vanity Fair and, and they're, they're like, you know, trying to sell, you know, Christian different things. And he says, we buy the truth. Well, what type of truth do you want? We got all sorts of truth, you know, and that's the world we live in right now. And he's like, no, you understand. It's the truth. It's not a truth. It's the truth. Uh, it's not what you perceive to be truth. It's what the truth is. Um, so, yeah, we have a hope because it is that. It is solid. It is secure. Um, you know, it, it doesn't change. Um, you know, we, we learned about planets that we called planets. That they, called, they didn't call planets. And then you, you learn about, you know, eggs are bad and eggs are good and coffee's bad and coffee's good. And, you know, so those things change, but this doesn't change. This doesn't change. It remains the same. He's, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that, isn't that something solid to put your feet on? It's a place to stand. Yeah. We have a secure foundation. It's, it's that foundation that's taken you through these days, Brother Wiseman, I know, because it's the same foundation that's taken me through some of my own days. Um, and it's the foundation that we point each other to. You know, when we're going through things like this. So, absolutely. Amen. Any, anything else? Other thoughts? Questions? Comments? The lottery? Right. Right. Exactly. So you're still right. No, no. Yeah, you, you might have won a burden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your time, your time. You had to waste in in in, in getting rid of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I I won. I'm trying, I think it's the last thing I did win, but I was working at the insurance office, and and um, there was one of the health insurance companies that that was giving away iPads. I don't know if we still have that iPad or not. I guess we do. But um, they called me one day and they said, well, Mr. Lee, you've, you've won one of these. Do you want it? And at that time I was like, this is a trick question. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> and he's like, well, there's some people who don't want it because they don't want to have to even pay the taxes on it. You know, I'm thinking, well, um, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I'm good with that. I'll pay the taxes on it. It's not a problem. Um, you yeah you won your belt back yeah yeah hope hopefully does it still fit you think yeah <laughs> yeah for being safe yeah all right well if there aren't any other questions or comments or anything we'll go to the lord in prayer well let's we'll stand let's stand and we'll go to the lord in prayer